Remember, God made you to be generous. God made God you to made be generous. Be generous. Has the human subject signed the consent form for the surgery? Procedure. This is not a surgery. He wants to become more generous. He's ready, and we are ready to move forward with the procedure. If it works, we'll be able to rewrite his entire genetic code to increase his generosity. People all around the world will have the ability to become more generous. And we'll have the ability to become more rich. <laughs> remember, remember, God made God you to be generous. generous. Careful, they're going to go through with the procedure. But why? Take a look at the documents, it's all in there. You know the truth as well as I do, and he manufactured altering of our genetic code. We were born with it. God made us all to be generous. All of us, right? Are you ready? How are you feeling? I'm ready. Well, hey, Jeanette, no, I tried to call you on your cell. Did you get my message? Get out of here! Don't you think he's just like all of us? He was born genetically generous! Oof. As John said, apparently our strategy is to scare you before we talk about money. <laughs> no, it is so good to be here with you guys. Um, for those of you that I don't know, it's especially uh, great to get the opportunity to meet you. Um, I've been a part of community for over 20 years now. I started when I was like eight. Um, so it's, it's always a thrill to get to come and be at different locations with you. And maybe you don't know, I actually um, was part of the first team that moved to the city to plan our locations here. And so I spent six years up in the Lincoln Square neighborhood and it's kind of fun for me to, to come back and, and be a part of things happening in the city. And I know John was worried that people wouldn't show up, but I'm like, no, city people are hardy. They're hardy. This little rain is not gonna scare them off. So I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Well, let me start by asking you, how many of you have taken a personality profile, like the, the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or the Enneagram? Okay, almost all of us. And we love uncovering the insights that these profiles give us, don't we? Like after all, they're, they're about one of our favorite subjects, ourselves. <laughs> I love learning about me. Don't you love learning about you? Yeah, but maybe you don't realize that, that learning more about ourselves is actually an incredibly important part of growing in our relationship with God. Uh, the famous theologian John Calvin said it well. He said this, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. What Calvin is talking about here is this intimate connection between a growing self-awareness and a growing faith. In fact, the, the more that we understand and know ourselves and how we've been uniquely created, the more we can show up authentically and, and present our true selves in our relationships, including our relationship with God. And so today, we're gonna have the opportunity to discover more about ourselves, and as we grow in this self-awareness, it also will give us an opportunity to grow in our God dependence, in our relationship with our Father. Now, as John said, we are in week two of this series, Genetically Generous. And last week in week one, we learned that, that we are wired for generosity because we're made in the image of a generous God. In fact, if God were to take a, a profile, a personality profile test, generous would be one of his most defining characteristics. And, and we see this all through scripture as he is the God who, who gives life. 
and the God who provides, and the God who ultimately gives himself on the cross. And we, as, as human beings, are created in his image. We are wired for generosity. In fact, it's probably impossible for us to not be generous in some way because generosity is in our DNA. But there are ways that this natural generosity wiring can get disconnected or, or maybe can get um, separated from who we really are. And, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. We wanna help one another reconnect that wiring. Now, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge a couple things that might make it hard for some of us to, to really lean into a series on generosity. Uh, when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money, okay? We're talking about living generously. But that does include money. And in our culture, it can be really hard sometimes to talk about money, especially maybe within the church. And so if you find it challenging sometimes to, to lean into this topic, I, I wanna just give you two disclaimers, okay? First of all, there is no big financial ask at the end of this series, okay? We genuinely believe that you have been wired to be generous and we want you to help discover how you've been uniquely wired in that way. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. Okay, so you can take a deep breath. There's no big financial ask at the end of this series. Now, the second thing is I know it can sometimes seem self-serving for pastors like, like me or like John to, to come up here and talk about you know, generosity and, and tithing. And, and if you struggle with that, wondering if we have some kind of ulterior motive or, or some other expectation, I, I want to encourage you, start your generosity journey by giving your biblical tithe somewhere else. I mean, give it to another church. Okay, we genuinely want you to grow and, and to experience the flourishing life that Jesus came to bring. And part of that comes when we're obedient to what he has called us to and his commands. But I want you to be ruthlessly honest with yourself if you still struggle to give because you can't afford to let anything stand in the way of your flourishing in the kingdom of God. And he created you to be generous. The psalmist uh, talks about God's intimate involvement in creating us. In Psalm 139, he declares, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, God knew what he was doing when he created you. He, he, he made you just the way he wants you to be, and he created you as a reflection of himself. The generosity wiring that he put in you is intentional. It's purposeful. However, I as I said, sometimes that, that wiring can get crossed or it can get disconnected, and this happens uh, probably because of the money stories that we learn as we're growing up from our, our family of origin or maybe some experiences that we've had with, with money or with generosity in the past. So during this series, we are helping one another reconnect, re-engage our genetically generous wiring to become more fully who God created us to be. Because remember, the more we can know ourselves, our authentic selves, the more that we can fully and authentically grow into who God created us to be. Now, a while back when we as we were preparing for this series, 
Uh, we had an attender here at Community that, that partnered with us in putting this series together. And this guy, he's been a part of Community for many years. He's actually an elder that serves on our Leadership Commission board. He's just a committed Christ follower, but he's also a pretty brilliant businessman. In fact, he, um, he consults with businesses, I think, all around the world, and he's a, a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. And one of the things that he does is he, he helps his clients understand the motivation that is driving their customers' behavior. And he started wondering if some of the same principles might apply to what motivates us to be generous. And so we partner with him, and as John said, we surveyed hundreds of people to try to understand what these core motivations are behind being generous, and what came out of it were six distinct generosity profiles that help us better understand our motivation to give. Okay, now this community attender, he's a much smarter than me, <laughs> and he figured out that within uh, just a, a simple eight-question survey could determine your generosity profile within about 70% chance of being accurate. And so since it's just eight questions, we decided it'd be fun to go ahead and take this generosity survey right here, right now. So if you have a smartphone, go ahead and pull it out, and I think on the screen we have a QR code, or you can go to your browser and go to mygenprofile.com. Now, um, I'm trying to see if anybody doesn't have a smartphone, don't worry, okay? First of all, good for you, okay, if you don't have a smartphone. But, but don't worry, you're still gonna be able to figure out your profile as we walk through them. You'll just pay attention to what resonates with you, okay? But we're gonna give you a little bit of thinking music in a couple minutes here to go ahead and, and do the survey, okay? So go ahead. stuff on there. Okay. All right. Well, you can finish up if you're not done yet, but uh, if you were able to take this survey, there is about a 70% chance that it got your profile right. Okay. Now, um, if for some reason it didn't, you'll be able to tell as we go through these. Again, just pay, to the one, pay attention to the one that resonates with you, and it'll help you figure out the correct one. Now, keep in mind that we most likely aren't just motivated purely by one thing, and that's why it should have showed you a, a primary and a secondary motivation, okay? Now, there are six primary motivations for being generous, and while you're likely not motivated by all of these, chances are there's something for us to learn in each one. So uh, today, as John said, we're going to zoom in on the first three 
and then next week we're gonna have fun at the beach, and then the week after that we're gonna do the other three, okay? So uh, let's zoom in on the first three, and we're gonna start with the community growers. Okay, now how many of you came out with community grower as your first or second one? Just go ahead, okay, quite a few of you. I actually thought there'd be a lot of people in the city because community is so important to us, right? And, and the primary motivation for the community grower is, is to be part of a community. Like you love it when, when people come together or an entire community comes together to do something that no one person could do on their own. And when we were thinking about the community grower, we thought of a story from the Old Testament. And, and it's a story that takes place during the time of Moses when God calls the people of Israel to build a tabernacle, a place where he can dwell with them and be with them. And what happens is the entire community rallies around this cause and they come together to build this tabernacle. Those who had the talents and the skills to construct it, they, they volunteer and, and give of their time and their energy. And we're told that everybody in the community brought gifts, brought offerings every morning to help pay for the construction. In fact, they were so generous that at one point Moses has to tell them to stop giving. I mean, that's a community grower's dream. Or maybe it's just John's dream, okay? I'm not sure we've ever had to tell anyone to stop giving. <laughs> but that's what a community grower loves. Community growers, you believe that the mission requires everyone to pull together to do their part. And to you, you believe giving of your time and talents is just as important as giving financially. Because you believe when everybody in the community steps up and they do their part, giving their time, their talents, their treasures, that the church can become an unstoppable force in the world. Now, community growers, you often are the first people to sign up for volunteer opportunities. If you're a community grower, does that sound right to you? And, and chances are you probably serve or volunteer in some regular way, maybe even on a ministry team here at, at community. Uh, now, you give financially because you know it's important to do that, but, but admittingly, community growers tend to get frustrated when we talk about generosity and we only focus on money because you want to champion the other aspects of generosity. And we know this because we hear from you, <laughs> right? Now, as we were planning this message, um, actually, John Ferguson, who is well-known to you guys, one of our, our co-founding pastors, but also a part of our Lincoln Park location, uh, he was actually in the room, and, and as we all took the survey together, we found out that John is a community grower. And he wasn't that surprised by that because uh, he said that growing up and, and also being part of you know, community all these years, some of his favorite memories are the times when the entire church community comes together to do something that no one of us could do on our own. And a few things that he mentioned, he talked about celebration generosity, which if you've been around for a while, you know that's something we do every fall. We're across all our locations, across all our expressions, we come together and we give away the entire offering to partners, both here locally and around the world. And there have been some celebration generosities where we've given over $600,000 away in one day. Now, maybe there's somebody here that could do that on their own. If you, if you are, John would probably like to talk to you afterward. <laughs> um, but chances are, there, none of us could do that on our own. But when we come together and we join together as a community, we can make something like that happen. And, and John also talked about our gift marts every Christmas, where again, across all our locations, 
all our expressions, we come together and make it possible for hundreds of local families who are under-resourced to buy gifts for their kids to open at Christmas time. These are community-growing moments when we come together and do something that, that no one of us, or even sometimes a small group of us, could do on our own. And community growers, I want you to know that you reflect the image of our generous God when you cheerfully give out of this motivation to be part of a community. Okay, so that's the first one. Let's talk about budget keepers. Are there any budget keepers in the, oh yes, there's some budget keepers, okay. Budget keepers, your primary motivation uh, for generosity when it relates to money is being wise. You want to be wise, okay? Now, those of you who are budget keepers or who are not budget keepers might be thinking, well, that profile doesn't sound that fun. <laughs> Anyone thinking that? <laughs> but see, if you are a budget keeper, you actually enjoy crunching numbers. And how do I know that? Because I'm one of you. <laughs> All right? Budget keepers, we have a high sense of responsibility. We want to know that we're managing money wisely, and we actually tend to enjoy budgeting and planning. Now, we, we value generosity, but we often approach it very carefully, asking, like, what can I afford to give? But when we determine that number, we're committed to it, and, and we, we give that number consistently. Now, if there's an unforeseen expense, like a, a, a car repair or a home repair or something like that, we might be tempted to pull back because we, we love predictability when it comes to our finances. And when we thought of the budget keepers, uh, we thought about a woman who the writer of Proverbs uh, describes, this woman who honors God by seeking him in everything she does and trusting him wholeheartedly. And I think she's a great example of a budget keeper. Though we don't know her name, she's described as a woman of noble character, as one with a high level of responsibility for meeting the needs of not only her family, but others. In fact, she's praised not just for her wise business sense, but also she's praised for the way she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She is wise in how she manages her resources, and the writer of Proverbs tells us that we should honor her. Now, if you, like me, are a budget keeper, God probably has wired you to, to like numbers and, and spreadsheets and, and calculations. In fact, fun fact about me, before I changed course to become a pastor, I actually got my undergrad in math and computer science. Okay, I'm not saying every budget keeper is a nerd, but this one definitely is. <laughs> All right. I actually love two times a month sitting down and, and going through my budget and paying my bills and making sure everything financially is in order. In fact, I like it so much that my aging parents asked me to take over their finances this past year, and I was like, sweet, now I get to do it twice as much. <laughs> and again, I know that might sound crazy to those of you who aren't budget keepers, but budget keepers, you reflect the image of our generous God when you cheerfully give out of this motivation of being wise. Budget keepers are, are responsible. They, they, they make sure everything is in order. And another thing that's unique to us as budget keepers is we actually don't really mind talking about money. That's right, this is actually fun for me, <laughs> okay? All right, so that's our budget keepers. And we have time for one more profile today. How many of you came out as a faith stretcher? Any faith stretchers? Okay, a couple of you faith stretchers. Faith stretchers, you are motivated by spiritual growth. 
you see generosity as part of your faith journey and you actually stretch yourselves to give because you believe that God is gonna be faithful and then he's gonna reward your faithfulness. Now, you don't necessarily expect that, that reward to be monetary, and that's okay for you because you know that when you're giving generously, you are growing spiritually, and that's enough incentive for you. Now, when our teaching team talked about faith stretchers, a, a lesser known but, but really powerful story from the Old Testament came to mind. It's a story in 1 Kings 17, and it's a story where the prophet Elijah is sent to a, a widow in the town of Zarephath. And when he comes to Zarephath, he finds this widow and she's gathering sticks because she's preparing to, to make a fire to prepare the last meal she can have for her and her son because you see, it's a time of drought and famine and, and all of her supplies have run out and she knows there's no way to get more. And, and so she's preparing to, to make this meal for her and her son and then she expects that they'll starve to death, that they'll die. But Elijah comes to her and he asks her to give him a drink of water and, and some bread. And she tells them, I, I can't, I only have enough flour and oil left to make one small cake for me and my son. But Elijah promises her and he, he says, the Lord declares that you're gonna have what you need to make it through the rest of this drought, the rest of this famine. And this woman, she actually believes God, she trusts God and she does as Elijah asks and miraculously, this jar of flour and this jug of oil somehow do not run out for the remainder of this drought. And she and her son have enough to eat. Now, what is key in this story is that the widow trusted God. She did what she believed God was calling her to do. She acted in faith in response to God. And can you imagine that kind of faith? <laughs> like, like being willing to trust him for not only yourself but for your child, that is faith stretching. Now again, um, I didn't know they weren't gonna be here because I have a story about Lisa Ferguson, and if I knew they weren't gonna be here, I would have told embarrassing stories. <laughs> but Lisa, if you know Lisa very well, um, you'll know that it won't surprise you that Lisa is a faith stretcher. I mean, she's a woman that just lives by faith in things, and if you have never asked her her story even about them moving here and some of the faith decisions that she really led John in in that, you should ask her sometime. But um, one of the things that was interesting in the story that, that I know about Lisa, and I think it shows that, that she's been genetically wired as a, a faith stretcher from the time she was born, uh, because she's a little girl in this story, and as a little girl, Lisa went to church every Sunday with her family. But she talked about there's one particular Sunday that she can remember uh, so clearly because it was her birthday. And there was little Lisa, like dressed up in her Sunday best, carrying her little purse, and inside her purse, she had a $5 bill that was folded really neatly and tucked away, and it was birthday money. Now, don't tell her I said this, but this is back in the day when $5 was like a lot of money for a kid, okay? <laughs> And so Lisa's there, she's got her little purse, it's her birthday, and she says like during the service she felt this prompting that she was supposed to put her birthday money in the offering plate. And she said she tried to ignore <laughs> this voice in her head, but when the offering plate was passed, she knew that's what God wanted her to do, and so she took out and unfolded that little $5 bill and put it in the offering plate. And she'll say she was glad to do what she knew God wanted her to do, but she was also really sad <laughs> to lose her birthday money. Well, as she got ready to, to leave the church after the service, she was about to head out of the church, and an old man came up to her, and he said, hey, I hear today's a special day. I hear it's your birthday. 
And she said, yes, it is my birthday. And he smiled and he reached into his pocket and he said, here, I want you to have this on your birthday. And he put a crisp $10 bill in her hands. And I think it would be great to have like a, a Polaroid picture of what her face looked like in that moment. But you see, of course, things don't always happen that way. But what faith stretchers seem to intuitively know is that when we do step out in faith and we're generous, that we create opportunities for God to work in ways we might miss otherwise. Faith stretchers, they give because they're faithful to God and they know that they'll grow spiritually as they give. In fact, the researcher Barna um, recently did a, an extensive survey of church attenders in regards to giving, and one of their findings stuck out to me. They found of church attenders who report a lot of spiritual growth over the past year, 38% say they give at least a tithe. So face stretchers, you are on to something, and you reflect the image of our generous God when you faithfully give out of your motivation to grow spiritually. Well, that's all we'll have time for today. So again, you're going to have to come back, go to the beach next week, and come back in two weeks um, when we're going to go over the other three profiles. But for now, let me just encourage you to set your sights on growing in generosity. Become who God created you to be. Lean in and learn more about yourself so that you can leverage your natural motivations to be generous in all you do. For you see, when we give cheerfully, we become conduits to the generosity of God. This God who, who decided to make a difference in your life and in my life. He knew that apart from his love, we were spiritually dead. But being wise beyond all wisdom, he had a plan for spiritual growth to make us spiritually alive. He gave the most generous gift he could possibly give himself in the person of Jesus. And in joyful obedience, he went to the cross and sacrificed himself so that you and I could experience being part of a community, the family of God. And through us, he is leaving a legacy as we help more and more people find their way back to our generous God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you um, for the intentionality with which you have created every single one of us. That you see us. That you had a dream in your mind for us when you knit us together in our mother's womb. And Lord, I pray um, for each one of us that you would help us grow to understand more and more who you have created us to be so that we can flourish in this life and in the life to come. So Lord, that we can become who you created us to be. And I pray specifically in this area of generosity. Lord, there's so many things in this world that try to bind us, that try to keep us from, from fully living into the generous wiring that you put in us. And I pray that you would break those chains. I pray that you would connect things that have been disconnected so that we can reflect your generosity to a world who desperately, desperately needs to see you. So Lord, I pray a blessing 
on all of us today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.